Hey guys, this is Brandon Still, and I was having a conversation the other day with somebody, and they said, "So, do you really like use the people who are your sponsors? What do you, how do you how do you vet them? What do you do?" And I said, "I absolutely do." I said, "But I love relationships. I love having a guy. I love when anything happens. I have somebody that I can call on their cell phone that's going to answer the phone and help me." And that's exactly what we do. That is why Jason Ellis does my dish machine and my chemicals, because if I ever have an issue, I can pick up the phone and call him, and he is right there to help me. He's absolutely amazing. Aaron Moso over at Sharpie's Bakery. If I ever need anything with bread, I pick up the phone and I call Aaron, and she is absolutely amazing. If I need anything with uh, the compost company, Jeffrey Ezel will take care of me right away. Matthew Clements over at Robbins Insurance. These are people that you don't know that you need until you need them. And it's so much better when they're already in your phone when you need them. And that is why today we are talking about Corson Fire and Security. So we had an audit at our restaurants about a month and a half ago. And it was through Robbins Insurance. We asked them to come in to do a full inspection and he said, when was the last time you had your hoods checked by a fire company? And we looked at the, the sticker on, they said, well, it's been a year and a half since you've had somebody come in. I said, no, 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 they were just here. Well, they didn't, they didn't mark, they didn't put the right sticker. So I had to go to that company and I had to look up the invoice and then I had to call them, had to press the number one, then I had to press the number four. Then finally I got a hold of an operator who said, oh, Ned's unavailable, but I'll let him know to call you when he's ready. That's really frustrating. Nobody has time for that in the middle of the day. That's why you need a guy, which is why we're now working here at Nashville Restaurant Radio with Corson Fire and Security. They're one of those companies that you don't necessarily need all the time until you really need them, until your fire extinguishers get shut off and you need somebody to come help you, until you need somebody to come train your staff on how to use everything. Let me tell you, Kevin Rose is the man. So what Corson has done is they have a special restaurant division where Kevin is focusing really exclusively on helping restaurants with all of their fire and security needs. Let me tell you, they have fire extinguishers, general fire products, emergency and exit lighting, fire alarm systems, fire sprinkler systems, kitchen fire suppression systems, fire suppression systems, security, monitoring, communications. I mean, they've got everything and they're focusing on restaurants. Do you have a guy for that? Because if you don't, you need to call Kevin Rose right now, 615-974-2932. Think about it right now. Who is the guy you would call if you needed to have a fire extinguisher refilled with nitrogen so that it would shoot off? How would you know that you needed that? That's what he's here to do. Here's my call to action for you. Call Kevin Rose. Again, 615-974-2932 and have him come out and check your restaurant for everything you might possibly need. See if you're getting the service that you deserve. They're amazing. So excited to welcome Corson Fire and Security to Nashville Restaurant Radio. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. Now here's your host, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. We are powered by Gordon Food Service. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host. 
We're in for a good one today. We have got Imran Shake. He's the CEO and founder of Milk Shake Concepts. They own the Layer Cake restaurant, which is uh, on 3rd Avenue, directly across the street from FGL House. And it's a four-story building with the Cherry Lounge. And uh, it is really, really, really amazing. They're doing really cool stuff over there. And in this episode, he outlines the three more restaurants he is going to be opening here in the next 12 months. And wow, we are in for a treat. I have never met this guy before, kind of like the last episode, but I was absolutely intrigued. He's from London. He has an amazing accent. I am immediately jealous of his accent, envious of his accent. And one of the smartest, just loveliest people I've talked to in a really long time. We talked for an hour and a half, and I really could have talked to him for like four hours. Just one of those people who's just so smart, and I'm just just excited to talk to, you know? You get in there, and you go... Tell me about this. Tell me about that. And his attitude, man, his attitude is so positive and he remains positive and he's such a leader. And I'm just excited to share this conversation with you today. So if you're an entrepreneur out there or you're anybody, I think you're going to be motivated by this conversation. I think this conversation is one that you're going to listen to and go, wow, um, I can do things. I can do things. He He's changed paths so many times. And he just has such a dedication. And I just, I don't know, it was just a really, really fantastic interview. And I cannot wait to share it with you. I do want to tell you that our Mexican restaurant bracket is happening right now. If you go to NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com, you too can vote. You can vote for your favorite. We are in round two. There's only 32 restaurants left. Who made the cut? There's, there's, there's some really good restaurants out there. I cannot wait to throw a party at one of them on September 15th. For September 16th is the Mexican Independence Day, but we're going to do it on September the 15th so we don't steal their Friday. We're going to have a lot, a lot of fun with this. Just want to say thank you so much to NetChecks for supporting this and making all of this happen. NetChecks has been an amazing, an amazing partner. Thank you, Lauren and Anna. Um, we also have a new sponsor. They are called Justice Industries and Just.Glass. So I want you to go to justiceindustries.org. And what they do is they are a nonprofit organization that creates social enterprise businesses. They seek to employ those who find it difficult to obtain and retain work because of barriers such as criminal history, addiction recovery, mental illness, domestic abuse, and generational poverty. Their largest industry, Just.Glass, offers curbside pickup of your glass for recycling. They really want to pick up the glass that you are going to be going through at your restaurant. Let's stop sending those to landfills and let's start employing people that otherwise are difficult to be employed. They will come pick up your glass and they will recycle it. They're doing amazing, amazing things. All you have to do is go to just justiceindustries.org and there you can sign up right there online. You can sign up to have all of your glass picked up. How amazing is that? You know, we started working with Jeffrey Ezel and the compost company, and it's amazing. I told everybody in lineup, I said, hey, look, we're start having to have green to go, these green trash bags that are for food waste only. And if you could look at your staff, their eyes light up and like, we're going to be composting now? And you go, yeah. And they're like, thank God, this is so cool. And I really thought it would just be a really good retention model for I just wanted to do it for the staff and I want to do it for all the right reasons, 
But I was just so excited that the staff was so excited we were doing that. And I can imagine with Just.Glass, it's exactly the same. So you can go online right now at justiceindustries.org and you can sign up to have your glass recycled. Uh, let's do the right thing for Mother Earth. It's super duper important. So here we are. Uh, I just got back from a trip to Springer Mountain Farms, and that was absolutely amazing. I'm going to have those guys on the show here coming up in the next couple weeks. Very, very interesting. If you've ever been to a chicken farm, holy cow. Wow. There is like 42 facets to raising chickens from the actual eggs to hatching to everything. I mean, it's just out of control. And what they're doing over there is really cool stuff. So big shout out to Spring Mountain Farms. Thanks for taking us down there uh, and doing the full tour. If you want to see more pictures of what that was like, you can follow me at Brandon underscore NRR. That's kind of my page where I post all my random stuff that I'm up to. And uh, always follow us on Instagram at Nashville underscore restaurant underscore radio, uh, where we're putting on all kinds of stuff and uh, videos on Facebook and on TikTok. We have a TikTok page, so go follow us on TikTok right now. We're going to jump in with uh, my new good friend, Imran Shake. Enjoy. Smooth sounds that have ever come out of that microphone. I love it. Super excited today to welcome in Imran Shake. He is the CEO and founder of Milkshake Concepts. How you doing, man? Fantastic. How are you? Marvelous. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. You are a restaurateur in Nashville. I am a new restaurateur in Nashville, yes. A new restaurateur in Nashville. So I want to get into, I have like a million questions for you because you have so many different restaurants. There's been so many experiences, but you don't come from necessarily the restaurant industry, but you're you're just excelling, you're killing it. So let's go back to, you obviously don't sound like you're from here. You're from London originally. I am, born and, and raised. Born and raised. And when did you move to America? So I officially landed in Dallas, Texas in January, at the end of January 2013. Um, I did some fact-finding during 2012 and uh, I made the move quite quickly. And it's, uh, it's interesting because I had never been to Texas and I did not know anyone in Dallas or Texas as a whole. Really? Yeah. Why Dallas? Very good question. So the first business that brought me initially over to the States was actually a fashion stroke apparel business. Mm -hmm. uh, they were headquartered in the UK and the the owner of that company and I had struck a partnership whereby I would launch the brand in the US, set up their infrastructure. And so as I started doing some due diligence, one of the things that I felt quite strongly about was being the, uh, the, the type of brand that it was, the size of company that it was, I didn't feel like going to um, a city like New York, Los Angeles, Miami, where the competition is fierce, the rents are very high. I just didn't feel like that was a sensible move. Uh, I wanted to be somewhere obviously very business centric. And so I really just did some good old internet digging. And I came across a headline and it said something, and don't quote me specifically on it, but to the extent of if Texas was its own country, it would be in the top 20 economies of the world or something like that. Something like that. And it was intriguing. It was eye opening, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, the only real 
reference I had to Dallas was good old J.R. Ewing, really, because that show was so big in the UK. Which I'm sure that people resent that in Dallas as much as we we <laughs> resent people who think that like the show Nashville <laughs> right. is what actually happens right. here. It's like, right. no, 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 right. Come on, guys. So, um, yeah, I did that reading and I thought, okay, this, I, you know, you just, you, you drop a pin and it becomes quite clear that you're in the center of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have access everywhere. And then the more you read, the more you see how it's sort of on this growth spur and people are moving there and all the above. And so great place to do business. And so I hopped on a plane in January 2012 um, and actually did a little driving tour of Dallas, Austin and Houston. Dallas resonated most with me for some reason. Uh, I came back in June. I hired an attorney. I hired a broker uh, in the background while in the UK doing lots of continuing to do lots of due diligence online. Again, the beauty of the the Internet now. Yeah. Um, And. Got all my ducks in a row, grabbed two suitcases and made my way at the end of January 2013. And you moved to Dallas. So moved, th- there moved it is. Dallas. Yep. Moved to Dallas. Had dinner by myself for about the first two weeks. Didn't really know anyone. Sat at bars and uh, of restaurants and uh, looked around and often it felt surreal. Where, are, where am I? <laughs> no, did you bring a family with you? So You have uh, twins, right? I have twins. So I left the family behind um, initially. Uh, two main reasons for it. One is immigration. It's very interesting. When you come from the UK on a what's called an E2 business visa, you have to come and invest the money before you apply. Interesting. The money in inverted commas has to be at risk. So you can't say, I would like to open a business. Can I have the visa? It's take the risk and, and then, then apply. Okay. So it's interesting because it is a risk because what if you don't get it? But that makes sense. It does make sense because you can't, otherwise everyone would say I'm going to and probably not. Yeah, I mean, so, there's a lot of- Right, right, right. So I'm going to, yeah. So I did, so for immigration reasons, I came on, you know, what is an ESTA? So you can come for three months at a time um, and, you know, really needed to be agile, needed to be flexible, didn't want, I, at the time they were two and uh, didn't feel like, you know, running around, you know, by myself, I can- I can slam it as, as they say, you know, you don't need everything. Um, you can stay in a hotel and, and it's easy. And so, yeah, that, that process was about five, six months. Then they joined me five, six months later. Nice. After, after the business was set up and the visa was approved. How old were your children at that time? They were two, two and a half when they got here. Uh, wow. They're nearly 12 now. And uh, just like we were kind of talking about pre, uh, pre-starting this interview, um, you know, I think they will always resonate, I think, with being Texans. We actually were just in London two weeks ago. And it was the first time back. They haven't been back in five years due to COVID and other reasons. Um, family's still there? Rest family's all still family? there. Lots of family, lots of friends, college buddies. Do your children have an accent? So it's really interesting. My daughter now is pretty much, I'd say, 90% American accented. Sure. Uh, my son is interesting. When he talks to anyone, when he talks to us or anyone from home, family, he, he tends to go sway towards the sort of English side. But I hear him with his friends and it's hamburger and, you know, he, he goes into full <laughs> Texas y'all mode, right? So he's a bit of a chameleon. He tends to be able to go back and forth. I, I recognize that so much because, we as again, we were previously talking, I was born in Southern California. I lived right. there nine years and I've lived here for 34 years. Right. I've adopted some of the vernacular, but when I... When I'm here, people say, you don't sound like you're from around here. And I go, well, I could slow it down. You know, I recognize it. <laughs> but when I go to California and we hang out and I say, what y'all want to do tonight? They go, what y'all want to do tonight? <laughs> like, holy shit, you know, who are you? And I, yeah. So I get that both ways. Yes. It's like, yes. what do you do? 
Just embrace it, I guess, right? Yeah. So they, yeah, they joined us and and uh, joined me and and really have been there since. What did you do growing up in London? Like, what was your? Where did you go to school? What got you into the apparel industry? My bra- my background is actually hilarious. Um, I, I would say interesting, but it's hilarious. I uh, I studied economics and management at Royal Holloway, which is part of the University of London. Okay. Uh, beautiful uh, campus in Egham, Surrey. So just on the outskirts of London. I've never been to London. Okay, well. I'm going to go. I mean, I've been kind of all over Europe. I've never been to London. Crazy d- enough. Definitely somewhere you'll have to put on your list. Um, and so studied economics and management, uh, went into finance initially um, out of college. You know, I, the, the route that I had sort of mapped out was banking. Um, and a lot of my friends who I went to college with and peers are still in that industry today. Here's the sort of curveball, if you want. During college and to help finance college, I, by very much accident, became a DJ. So I was in bars and clubs and became friends with a DJ. And then we used to just mess around on the decks. And I guess I was getting a little bit good at it. And one day, an owner from another club said, just while I was messing around, like, wow, love the music you're playing. I want you to be the resident DJ in the VIP room at my club. And I absolutely faked it and said, fantastic. Man, let's go. Didn't even own a pair of headphones. So um, <laughs> it was a real fake it till you make it. I remember getting to that club and I had to call my buddy. I'm like, I've never seen this mixer before. Like, what do I do? Um, and so it kind of, it really did. Um, it kind of just progressed in a most insane way whereby I started whilst studying, DJing up to five, six nights a week throughout central London um, and just, ended up in, uh, very fortuitously in, in you know, some of the best venues, which sometimes had some of the best clientele, which then started taking me all over the world, Bali, Saint-Tropez, the Maldives, uh, the US. Um, and they would fly me out for private events to DJ. Um, you know, Simon Cowell did his birthday. Uh, the, the founder of Topshop did all of his. Like you DJed Simon Cowell's birthday? I did. So just some fun stuff like that. That's fantastic. And so the DJs just stuck. I, I kept DJing. I through college. In fact, I would say the first year of college, like most students, I ran up a, a very embarrassing amount of debt by outspending what a student shouldn't spend. But DJing was a great blessing because by the end, I'd paid that all off. I'd bought my first condo. I'd bought my first sort of nice car. And so, you know, it's, it was really interesting. And so I'm going to come full circle here because uh, what the club did, what the DJing did do is it put me in the realms of a lot of hospitality, a lot of events, venues, bars, restaurants, clubs. Um, and then, of course, in the background, I'm studying finance, I come from a family who inherently love business. And uh, after working for a couple of years, I just said, I don't want to do this. A couple of years. Into of, finance. Into finance. Okay, Did, I was like into DJing, into finance, no. into the it, apparel. Right. No. So into finance, didn't want to do it, just was not um, inspired by it. Felt well, not excited. I mean, it, no, as yeah. far as you're DJing these places and you're used to, right, so like, I'm going to sit in a room and right, click things. Like, that's not fun. That's not sexy. You're 21. You're working 14 hours a day. You're not inspired. You feel like you're a paycheck player. Yeah. And so came home, told my parents, my dad was absolutely livid, told my mom, it's all your fault. You've, you, he gets this free spiritedness from you. And, but I did it and uh, I carried on just DJing. How, but no, let's, how hard was that? I mean, how hard to, to go, 
you grow up your entire life, your culture, your your family, this is what you're going to do. They've raised you. I mean, I have kids. You have kids. You, yep. ma- you imagine, put yourself in that shoes. You raise kids 100%. at 21 years old, and then they come to you and say, yeah, that's a, that's a different kind of work I want to do. I'm going to go continue DJing. Right. Like, the inner dialogue that you had to have during that, I mean, to, it takes balls. Yeah, it was uh, definitely... I, I'll rephrase that. It takes guts. That's <laughs> not the right term. It does take guts, and you're absolutely right. I think if either of my children said that to me, I would be furious too. Yeah. Um, but uh, always been a big believer in myself and always believed that I'd find my way. I didn't at that point know what my path would be. I just knew that I would figure it out. Um, and so I DJed. But what I did do well is whilst DJing and, you know, sort of accumulating some... Networked. Some, I networked, networked, networked. I met some incredible people. In fact, the partner I had when I moved to the US in the fashion business, I met him because I was being flown to Tuscany to DJ his, one of his best friend's birthdays. And we were sitting on the, pl- on the plane together. Wow. So it was just stuff like that. Now, in the background, I will say this. Um, I, was doing some, uh, I was doing some consulting work. Um, I've always felt very comfortable and confident in business in general. And uh, I was able to leverage some of these relationships I was building. And actually, the fashion one was one of them. Because when we came back, during the flight, something that he was speaking to me about was how his business was changing. And how as an old school retailer, you know, he had made clothes and they sold them wholesale, they sold them retail. What was the dynamic was all changing. The high street, as we call it, you know, the the malls here uh, was seeing an erosion of, of traffic. And a lot of that was to do with online business. Sure. Yeah. You know, I said the word influencer to him and he looked at me like I was bananas. When I told him, you're probably gonna have to start sending free clothes to these, you know, sort of online influencers. He looked at me like I was crazy. Why would I send anyone a free item of clothing? And so because they'll wear it and put it on the internet and everybody will want to buy it. Exactly right. And so um, as part of the whole thing, he asked me to have lunch with him. I had lunch with him. I kind of shared some thoughts and ideas about how he could transition and really evolve to ensure he could keep up with what was going to come. And it just led to this relationship where I, he said, look, I, I, I want to bring you on as a consultant. Like you're speaking a language that I don't speak. I've been doing this 20 plus years, wow. but you're saying words to me that I don't know. Right. And so I need someone who, or I don't fully understand, probably don't know is a bit harsh, but I don't fully un- grasp. Well, I understand what you're saying. And so that was that. Um, we worked together. Uh, I sort of helped them with some of their online stuff, digital marketing stuff, rebrand, helped them rebrand a little bit. And that's when the conversation of the US came up. Now, I'll kind of just rewind a little bit. In 2009, I suffered um, the loss of my mother to cancer. Mm. And a huge, huge... Um, impact on me we were incredibly close um she was a huge figure in my life and so when I met my would-be partner it was sort of in 2011 so after the after my mum's passing and then 2010 my twins were born and one of the big things in going through you know everything I went through with my mother was you know spent a lot of time with her while she was in hospital getting treatment and you know a big part of our conversations was reflection on life but you know her just really really imploring me to go out and never settle never just live in my comfort zone how capable she believed how much she was believed in me even though I didn't take the path everyone wanted me to take and just go and do it don't don't be scared take risks you've got this and so when I met uh, my partner hero um, Harjani that was very much in the back of my mind right and so when he started talking about the US I said I think I'll, I'll do it 
I'll do it. Let's yeah. go. I mean, my kids are young. They're only at that point, they were like, you know, they were six, I don't know, less than a year when I met him. Sure. And, you know, that's the age if you're going to take them, take them. You know, ripping them out in their teens when they've got friends and they're settled is a whole nother ball game. It is. And that was that, really. So that's I, how. I just, I just love that your mom, you know, that you had the wherewithal in that moment with your mom to have that conversation and then you listened. Yes. So many people, people say stuff like that too and they go, eh, but I'm comfortable. Yeah. I'm comfortable. I don't have to. I, I just read a book called The Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter. Have you read that? I have not. Oh, but he said, we all live in a 72 degree world. It's too, I don't want to get out of my comfort zone. It's air conditioned here. It's hot outside. Like, right. You, you're never going to move forward in life if you don't just do that. Yeah. And I love that. There's a couple moments there so far, like with your, with leaving finance and then with your mom kind of saying that and saying, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to push your incredibly intelligent guy and this is i imagine your confidence level of i can do anything yeah i mean i think there's got to be a, a boldness in you right and there's got to be a what's what's the worst that could happen right i go i don't enjoy it it doesn't work i come home i come home and you know i always felt confident in myself enough that at home i'd always make it work right i'd find my way yeah and so yeah i did it and i moved out and the best part of all this is the fashion thing did not work. Um, and it did not work for a number of reasons. Uh, we did a lot of great things on the ground. We opened a couple of stores. We had a great head office doing a lot of great things. Unfortunately, once I left my role on the ground in the UK as a consultant and came to the US, I fear the company started reverting to old habits. And because I wasn't on the ground to influence them like I was able to when I was there, we started going backwards again. Well, you're a visionary. So if you look into the EOS model, are you familiar with Gina Wickman and Traction, that whole thing? Right, yeah, familiar. There's a visionary and there's an integrator. You have somebody who's all the ideas, who's moving forward, who's constantly looking ahead, constantly looking ahead. But you have to have somebody on the ground who's implementing all of those things. That's your integrator. It's the guy, and it sounds like you were kind of both of those people. And when you moved into a visionary role or when you moved to America, nobody was integrating. Nobody was doing those things back in the day. And then you start regressing. And how do you do all of that at one time? Exactly right. And I think it was a source of frustration for me because here I am. I've left home, left that comfort zone we talked about, taken this risk, and I'm ready for greatness, right? I want to be great yeah. at what I do. And so if you're not going to, if we're not aligned in wanting that greatness, taking the risks, making the investments in order to be great, then this isn't going to work. And so that was, so we opened, we started operations in sort of May of 2013. And unfortunately, by the end of 2014, very quickly, it was becoming abundantly clear to me that I don't think this is going to work. And so I sort of set some, call it, look, must must happens right so by january it's a new year we can we can turn this around still but these are the must happens and frankly if they don't happen then i'm out and that was scary too because what am i going to tell people what am i going to do how am i going to make money it's an ultimatum i'm in a foreign land um and so i uh, i set the list and it did not happen and so dare I say it, but I sort of called the bluff and I uh, exercised a, 
uh, exercised a sort of uh, exit clause that I had to get out. Um, it meant the loss of significant funds for me. But at the end of the day, if I'm not going to progress in the manner that I like to progress in, then I'm ready to write that off and start again. And so that was a very scary period. January through May of 2015, there were lots of ums and ahs and what do I do? Do I go back home? So at that time, I'm going to take you back to that time. Before yep. you before you call the bluff, so to speak, yep. you say this is what needs to happen. Yep. What years is 2014? 2013, 14, as you say? Yeah, 13 into 14. And then eventually we sort of, uh, see. I seized operations in 15. They weren't doing as much as you want to do. What was your five-year goal, 10-year goal at that time? You say you've got to be progressing. Where did you want to be? So if you look at, you had to submit a very thorough business plan in order to obtain your immigration. And I was, my plan was open one store in the first year, three in the second year, five in the third year, 10 in the fourth year. But alongside that, very aggressively um, pursue online sales, build an incredibly strong social platform, uh, have a really strong sort of influencer type program happening which you're seeing now with a lot of the fast fashion companies like Fashion Over and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I knew the middle market was where we, we, that, com that, uh, that industry was going to suffer, right? So people are still spending galore at hyper-luxury level, uh, the Gucci's, the Louis Vuitton's, the Chanel's, and then you've got a lot of fast fashion happening, right? And social media is a big part of that because if we take, obviously this was women's apparel. I know a lot of people now who, they don't want to spend a huge amount on one item of clothing because they're going to take a picture, post it on Instagram, and they don't want to wear it again. Wow. Or if they do, they're going to wear it maybe twice, max three times. So they don't want to spend $300 on a dress now, right? So you kind of foresaw this was coming. And, and that's kind of what's happened. It, it's what's mm. actually occurred since then. What a crazy industry. <laughs> I know. I'm not in that industry. I know. I know. Just you saying that, like, I know. that they wear one dress one time. And right. They, the focus and prioritizing that in your life to me i'm, I'm a regular yeah. dude you know it's like it's a, it's a weird thing fashion i like getting dressed up like the next person but sure i'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt yeah that that that's my go-to um how do you think working in the apparel industry set you up is there anything in that industry that set you up for success in the hospitality industry i'm gonna go ahead and say that i'm just a believer that 70 percent of good business is the same same disciplines same applications in how you apply yourself execution absolutely execution uh, and discipline absolutely right and so and then you adjust according to your industry the rest right and so that period was definitely tumultuous some uncertainty but i just well, he, here's what was interesting so there's a couple of things that were interesting one was as troublesome as my partnership became with my former partner i was loving life in dallas so I was still waking up with a smile on my face. I'm not, it, it, it takes a lot for me to have a bad day. Amen, uh, me too. I, uh, I try and see the best in every day, even when problems mount up. Do you have a favorite day of the week? That's an interesting one. Tuesday's my busiest day. Monday's my busiest day. Yeah, see, Monday's my personal busiest day. Tuesday is my other people busiest day. Okay. Monday's the day I set myself up for success. Tuesday's the day I, I make sure everyone else is set up for success. I like that. That's Sunday is that day for me, and then Monday is the setting everybody else up for success. Sunday has definitely become um, more of my decompression day. 
uh, spend time with the kids, decompress, uh, try and just switch off a little bit, though I do struggle with that. Um, yeah. And it has become that for the first five years of in being in Dallas, Sunday was Sunday fun day. And I had horrible <laughs> hangovers on Monday. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but we've gotten a bit too busy to be hungover on a Monday. Well, I, I see all of our social media. It's Monday. We got case of the Mondays, whatever. And I mean, people hate Mondays. And I'm kind of like, no, man, Mondays, Mondays my day. Because right, right. I, I set all of these goals, all this stuff, and I have the rest of the week to get all this stuff done. Like I started like Friday, I'm like, ah, I got a lot of shit to do today. Like it's kind of like a deadline, you know. Sure. I look at Friday as a deadline for me, and I just go through the whole week, and I'm so excited I get to do all this stuff. And then Friday, I kind of have a little bit of like, and I hope I didn't get it this done or I didn't get that done. And I don't right. know. I just love Mondays. It's like I have this whole week ahead of me. Most people don't have that mentality, right? Yep, and so that's kind of how my week's structured now. And uh, yeah, I'll go back to that period and that all happened, but I, I was loving life. I'd made some fantastic friends. Um, I felt like there was still so much potential in a number of businesses, to be honest, in, in Dallas. Um, along the way, I had met one of the co-founders of Milkshake. So there's three of us in total. And I'd met one of them uh, quite early on and... Uh, he and I became very good friends. He had more of a nightlife background. Okay. Um, had been in the nightclub space What's in Dallas. Name? Awesome Shake. Awesome? Awesome Shake. Same last name. Well, as and that. that's kind of how we met is everyone kept thinking I was his brother. And I said, I don't know who this dude is. <laughs> right. And so when we finally met face to face, I was like, oh, so you're the guy everyone thinks I'm related to. Okay. And that's how we met. Jet, that was literally how we met. That's so funny. We grabbed a coffee. I didn't really like him when I first met, I'll be honest with you. I thought he was a bit of a douchebag. And uh, I got a text from him a few days later, which I was surprised by because I didn't think when I first met him that I would get that text. I said, hey, man, we should grab coffee. So tone had changed a bit, but I, get, I guess maybe in that moment, he just was like, who is this cat, right? So um, we grabbed coffee, talked a little bit, and uh, became friends, started hanging out. And, uh, you know, he, same, he had been, he'd, he'd owned some pretty mega clubs in Dallas, um, you know, one of his had been opened by P. Diddy and he had Paris Hilton and, you know, all Ooh. the above, Drake and all, all, the, all the good stuff. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we talked and we became friends. And in 2014, he got approached through his vast network in that industry uh, to invest in a new uh, restaurant bar that was opening. And in our chats, he was like, should we do it together? Uh, like, let's just put it in together. Like, let's decide on an amount and let's just split it and do it 50-50. Um, it'll be fun. Let's see how it goes. And we did it. And uh, it became clear to me during that process that we both had a lot to offer as it pertains to under, to that business. Um, but we came at it very differently, right? So Interesting. I was looking at their pro forma and what they were proposing in sales, their P&Ls and the contracts. He was looking at more of their marketing plan, their branding, so on and so forth. So we did that. It was very much a passive investment. Uh, but it got us communicating about business and nightlife. And uh, so after the, it was called Aftershock, by the way, the fashion brand. After Aftershock sort of dissipated and I was in this period of what do I do, uh, I stumbled across an old 2,000 square foot house that was Felice. And I called Asim and I said, before you say I'm crazy, I want you to hear me out found this little house, it's in uptown Dallas, it's 2,000 square feet, it's about eight yellow rooms that it's divided into. I've got a crazy idea that I think it could be a really cool, small, 
antithesis of what exists in Dallas, big box, TVs everywhere, yeah. thousand people, and do something small, powerful, intimate, energetic. And I think people will respond. When I took him there, he looked at me and he said, you're absolutely insane. Like, this doesn't work in Dallas. And I said, I beg to differ. And he said, fine, I'll do it with you. Even though I think this is going to be tricky, let's give it a whirl. And that was the birth of Milkshake Concepts. Wow. Right, that right there. So I signed the lease on that first house in uh, beginning of May. And literally within three days of that, I incorporated Milkshake LLC. No kidding. Yep. And what was the name of that? That was a restaurant you put there. That was a bar called a Citizen, which is still alive today. And doing well? Fantastically well. We have... So this is a fun story. So let's get into that. So, okay, we've signed the lease. Now we need to raise some money. Um, you can't go to a bank when you're opening a bar, just two of you, and you've got no track record. They're <laughs> they're, not, <laughs> they don't just hand out money for that? Yeah, sadly not. So the idea was... I had was you know much like we invested in that other restaurant bar and I felt like we added quite a lot of value to that let's bring in some investors of our own and hopefully they will not only benefit financially they'll be our ambassadors they'll sure. come they'll they'll party they'll book tables they'll do happy hours all the above and so that's what we did it was it was it's so fun looking thinking back to walking people through that house and the look on everyone's face was the same as you sound like you know exactly what you're talking about. This house is absolutely perplexing <laughs> because it has no right to be a venue, right? And uh, there you go. You had that vision, though. We did, and you know, once Austin and I really sat down and went through. He he was like, "Okay, this is cool. Like, yeah, we'll do this thing called the drop, like at midnight, where all the bartenders just get on the bar and like, you know, they light sparklers up and we play a crazy song and everyone just kind of goes crazy and." And so we did it. We managed to raise the money. We got turned down by about 80% of the people we walked through the house. But the 20% will always be forever grateful for believing in us. And, you know, it was one of those venues. Uh, I don't know if it's uh, tasteful to, to share numbers, but I think in this case it probably helps uh, give some perspective. Sure. So the idea when we, we did it was, you know, we could probably make, you know, we'll be open two or three nights, you know, four nights a week, call it. And, you know, if we make a million, million and a half in sales, it will be good. Investors will get paid back in about a year and a half and it'll be a good business. And in the first year we did over 4 million and paid them back in six months. Wow. And that was really the nucleus for what was to come. I mean, that's got to give you a, I'm like, I'm, when you're thinking about a million and a half and you do four, that's right. a lot of people coming through the doors. It's a lot of people. It, it, and it was, Who's running the thing at this point? I mean, so, are you in the building? Are you within the four walls I mean, doing we, anything? We lived that business. I was there every single night. So what was your first impression of this business? I mean, you... We opened, you, it, we opened it on my birthday. Which is? Uh, November 5th, 2015. And we had a lot of hurdles getting there. City issues, ordinance, parking. I mean, up to three days before, I wasn't even sure it'd be open. But again, in my, today's going to be a good day, no problems, only solutions, I, I got through it all. And uh, we opened it in that first night, just seeing, feeling the energy and just how people were so like, wow, this is different, but cool. And uh, it, it just took off. And it not only took off, but it became the venue of choice for Dallas Cowboys players, Dallas Mavericks players, Dallas Stars players, because it was small, it was intimate, it was somewhat 
protected it almost felt like yeah. it felt like you you were part of something um and so that was that and then to just kind of complete the the partner the, the sort of full circle of milkshake just as i signed the lease for citizen someone who i'd met who's in the beverage business and obviously we're starting to talk to people like that now um said there's someone i'd like you to meet his name's james faller said okay he said he's got a business plan uh, he wants to open a restaurant in uh, a part of town called Deep Ellum. I said, I know Deep Ellum. It's sort of, I've heard stories of how it was great in its yesteryear and then it's kind of gone through this sort of downturn. Uh, but it's so close in proximity to downtown and uptown and everything that I think, you know, it'll probably have a, a reemergence. And so... And restaurants to that and are so vital in creating that resurgence. And, I mean, and that's what they do, right? I mean, you come in, right. and they're the, these restaurants came in, all of a sudden it's... And as we go through this conversation, you'll, you'll kind of come to learn just how vital they did become. So I met James and we hit it off. You know, a one-hour lunch turned into a four-hour life business vision conversation about, you know... I love those. Right, just... Effort hit it off. Effortless. Yeah. Effortless. Like, oh my God, it's been four hours. What the hell? Yeah. I've, I'm late. Um, <laughs> or I've missed three meetings. Um, and so we got on. And really, obviously, after some push-pull conversation, what became clear to me is I wasn't... James really was looking for an investor. And I told him, well, I'm not that guy. I've just lost a lot of money <laughs> in the fashion business. <laughs> and I just raised money for this, this bar. But I did a good job raising the money. So here's what I'll do. I think you and I would work fantastically well together, right? Because I've now I've got Asim, who's very much nightlife marketing, uh, very well networked, knows that business. And I've got this bona fide food guy who's worked in the food industry for 20 years as a professional. You're in, an operator. He's an operator. Yeah. And he's worked, you know, he's worked his way up through management roles all the way to director of operations. But he's, he feels like he, it, it's his time, Right. And uh, that his old boss that he was working for wasn't probably the best boss. And he was just fed up, right? Um, I, he's, you know, I don't like going into Friday and finding that my staff are not going to get paid, right? Because the owners decided to probably go to Vegas for the weekend. <laughs> so um, <laughs> he was just like, you know, I'm just done with that. You know, my people are everything. So that is the business plan he had in his hand that day was for a restaurant called Stir. And Stir was to be our first bona fide restaurant. And so absorbed James at the time just into Stir. Eventually what was going to happen was we were all just going to get on so well that we just became partners in everything. So Milkshake was therefore the three of us. Okay. And so we raised money for Stir and, you know, raised a bit more because it needed a bit more because you've got a kitchen and you've got more square footage and all the above. And I think there was some trepidation then about Deep Ellum. They're like, yeah, but it's not there yet. Like it was 20 years ago. It's a bit, it's a bit ropey. I'm not sure. Like you guys are killing it as citizen. Love the business plan. Love the vision. But the area scares us. What was your goal for year one there? I told everyone we could do three and a half to $4 million. That's so many more seats in this one, bigger deal, yeah. more food, yeah. more yeah. every day open. I mean, yeah. three or four million is nothing to shake a stick at, though, especially in a neighborhood that right. isn't really happening right now. Right. What'd you guys end up doing? 7.5. <laughs> so you've, you've, you've struck gold on your first two. Yep. I mean, 
We're at the, there's a recipe there for why. There was a recipe. I think one partnerships can be extraordinarily difficult. And I think we stumbled upon one where everyone kind of understood each other's strengths and played to them as opposed to stepping on each other's toes. Communication is key. Not going to sit lie and say we haven't had disagreements. Not going to say we haven't but butted heads. We have. You should. We do. It's not healthy if you don't. But the business always comes first. Yeah. And as long as we keep the business best interest, the one thing we have, which I think you cannot just, you can't just find or just get easily is trust. It's, and it's the most important thing. Yeah. So there's an, in, there's an inherent trust. We consider, we consider ourselves brothers more than anything else. And, uh, and that was it. So that was Stir, first restaurant, did very well, very blessed. And that led to down the street in Deep Ellen where we did Stir, there was another building that actually I wanted for Stir. And the landlord at the time said, look, really like you guys, but this is my gem. This is like my jewel, this property. So I'm going to give you like another really good one to do stirring, but I can't give you this one. I want this snazzy chef and da 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 da. Okay. So you did stir. Now he's like, hey, if you want that That's exactly what happened. Yeah. And that was to be Vidora. And so. That's a Mexican concept. Mexican concept. um, Look, you could throw a stone and you're probably going to hit somewhere in Dallas, Texas, that serves queso, right? Here too. There is a lot. Yeah. My, and this is, my personal belief is it's not necessarily about reinventing the wheel. It's just redefining it in a different way. So, yes. We, so what do we know? We know that people love Mexican food, we right? Do. That is a check. And coming from London, we, I didn't eat a whole lot of Mexican food. It's pretty crap there. Um, but I started eating a lot of Mexican food. And I don't know if it's like... There's some places that's great here. I think it's a vibe. Right. I think you go there and it's an excuse to drink margaritas and you have chips and salsa and it's more of a experience. Like you just, the whole thing. So. How do you differentiate that? You've just used the word experience. Yeah. Milkshake's tagline is an experiential hospitality group. Because what I said early on, what James and Arsene completely agreed with me on and what we kind of try and really... Uh, force down everyone's throats within our company is we don't just serve a plate of food and a glass of uh, and a margarita we we serve experience experience is everything from the moment someone walks in smell sound visuals uh ambience then the food itself then the drink itself and so if you create and deliver experience then I think people will connect with it. They'll resonate with it and they'll enjoy it and they'll keep coming back. And so Vidora uh, has been in, an incredible success. We currently have two locations. Um, the third is currently in construction in another part of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And of course, we'll hopefully get to talk about it. But the fourth is coming here to good old Nashville. Yeah. And you were telling me, you were, I, I want to get back to this. I think I know the story you're going to say there with the experience in the queso. You're talking about queso. You can get queso anywhere. Why is it different at, at uh, the Vidora. At Vidora. So um, as part of the, as part of sort of the whole conceptualization process, we went to Guadalajara and we wanted to get a lot of the um, furnishings from there because we really wanted Vidora to feel authentic and transportive. And I think we've accomplished that because when you're there, you're like, where am I? Right. Hmm. Could be in Dallas, might not be in Dallas. And so, you know, giant plant pots and tile that's handmade tile and, and, and all that fun stuff. So 
as part of that, we wanted glassware and we wanted some really cool um, presentation dishes. And one of the things we absolutely fell in love with was, were these authentic Molka Hete bowls. And you can heat them up to 400 degrees. And so we actually put our queso into those and it stays hot and bubbling for probably a solid 30 minutes. Wow. And so you know where you kind of get the queso normally and then you're dipping in, it's really good. And then about 10 minutes later, you go it's back like in. Paste. It's all gone like hard. Yeah. That doesn't happen to us. And those are the things. And of course, so it's a presentation. It's, it's a presentation. It's, it's Instagrammable. It tastes great. It stays hot. Win, 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 win. Right. And at so a, at a minimal expense. I mean, that's not a hard thing right, to do. Right. And so those are the types of things that we focus on. Right. And who uh, comes up with those ideas? I mean, is that just as a group or do you guys each, hey, bring something yeah, new? Are you intentional with that? Very intense. Well, yes. Yes and no. Some things we intentionally look, go looking for and some things we just stumble across. Um, and I'm honest about it. Hey, man, that'll work. And we do a lot of things on the fly where, you know, while in the midst of construction, eh, that's actually not looking so great. Let's change that wall. And so because at the end, it's got to be right. And so, you know, we're still making mistakes now. We've been here six years. We've got, you know, six, seven years. We've got incredible success behind us, but we're still learning and we're still evolving and we're still trying to be better. And so Vidora has been, you know, really, really, really blessed. We've been really blessed with it. It does incredible uh, volume. Um, and people just really, really resonate with it. And it's busy all the time, lunch, happy hour, dinner. And they say that it's open till 2 a.m. So you've got people like d dancing on the rooftop till 2 a.m., wow. drinking margaritas, probably taking a few tequila shots. And what does that make you feel? Like to, to be, you created something like that, that so many people, that it resonates with so many people. Does it, does it do anything for you? Like It reminds me every day why I left finance. <laughs> and then that's why. Because I feel so proud, I feel, I feel, you know, it's, it's cliched, right? It kind of goes back to COVID. I, I did some interviews during COVID. They're like, oh, do you think people are ever going to sit back in the dining room again? I said, absolutely they are. Because people inherently want to break bread together, celebrate, uh, commiserate, uh, you know, someone gets a job, someone's birthday, someone's anniversary. What do they want to do? They want to eat, they want to drink, they want to be merry. They want to connect. And that so will never stop. I never believe so. No. And so um, it's, it's, it's probably one of the greatest feelings in the world to see people doing all those things in one of your venues, choosing your venue. And of course, there are other fantastic businesses out there. I, I know because I go to a lot of them. Uh, but for me personally, and for us as a group, seeing our dining rooms full, seeing uh, people enjoying the food, enjoying the experience, um, it, it's everything. And it reminds me every day why the risks I took were, are always going to be worth it. One of the things during the pandemic, and I love that answer. And it's got to be a fun. I mean, I've never, I don't, I don't have as many restaurants as you do, and it's just a cool feeling. I love when I'm in the restaurant, and I have two restaurants here in town. And somebody does like they get married, and they do that the rehearsal dinner, sure, or they'll do the reception in our main room. I mean, I'm standing there watching one of the servers give the spiel, tell the story of the. Our, I have a restaurant in a home in Brentwood, and it's called Maribol. If you've ever been there before, but there, there's a um, He's telling the story and you look at the groom and the bride and they kind of look over and they're laughing and the mother and the fathers, they're all laughing and you kind of go, these people are creating lifelong memories. Like right now, they're going to remember this yep. moment for the rest of their lives yep. and they trust us with that. Yep. Like they trust us to help curate that moment and this is, this is like where you lean in and you just do it and I love watching that moment because it just it kind of makes it all worth it. It's kind of like, man, there's a lot of bullshit that we deal with every day, but 
A lot. These moments that that just are perfect like that, it's yeah. like makes it all worthwhile. It's all worth it. Yep. This, this is the coolest thing. And I didn't know if you, how often you're in the restaurants? Because I mean, how many do you have now total? So, I think we are currently open and operating eleven, wow. including our first in Nashville, Layer Cake. Yeah, I want. That's well, that's the next thing we're going to talk about. Yep, and but we have a pretty strong and aggressive growth trajectory. I. I lose track myself sometimes, but I'm going to go ahead and say by the end of 2023, we would have opened another 12. We're going to take a quick moment to hear a word from our sponsors. We are supported by Robbins Insurance, offering protection you can trust. Robbins Insurance is an independent insurance agency known across the Southeast for their customized insurance policies, sound guidance, and attentive service. They're also known here at Nashville Restaurant Radio for protecting some of Music City's best restaurants. Look, when it comes to insuring your restaurant or bar, you don't want to leave the job to some strip mall insurance agency with no background in hospitality and expertise in the local market. You need someone who knows the industry, who understands your business, who will create a policy that protects your physical space and protects you and your staff too. Y'all, Matthew Clements is that guy. He's the agent at Robbins Insurance for the hospitality industry. With extensive industry experience himself, Matthew has the knowledge to create a policy that will protect you and your business no matter what comes your way. Visit Robbins' website at robbinsins.com. That's R-O-B-I-N-S-I-N-S.com to get in touch with him or reach out to Matthew directly at 863-409-9372. Protection you can trust. That's Robbins. We are super excited to introduce Maintain IQ for restaurants. Maintain IQ is a modern digital checklist system that simplifies your operations. They are designed specifically for restaurants. You can standardize, track, and manage food safety procedures, temp logs, daily checklists, preventive maintenance, and ongoing repairs. He's saying that you can, managers will save up to 10 hours per week. You can repair, you can reduce repairs and maintenance spend by $5,000 a year. Staff will know what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. Everything is digitally recorded. Minimize liability, ensuring safety, cleaning, and compliance standards are upheld. This is the best thing since sliced bread, guys. And we're going to talk about that in just a second with Sharp EAs. But we are talking about a checklist to do every single thing in your restaurant that's all kept nice and neat in a little app. You need to call Will Jackson. His number is 888-534-0261 and set up a 30-minute demo. If you do that, I'll give you a free Nash Restaurant Radio hat or I'll give you a free Nash Restaurant Radio t-shirt. Just send me a message on Instagram. Check out Maintain IQ. You know, what chefs want, some people still call it creation gardens, but what chefs want has been, was our first advertiser on the show. Uh, Monty Crawford saw what we we're doing. He goes, I want to be part of it, dude. I love it. And I just, I love that. They're so perfect because they work with locally owned and operated restaurants better than anyone. And let me tell you how they do it. No minimums, no fees, no fuel surcharges, no surcharges anytime. They deliver seven days a week. They have 24-7 customer support. You can call, text, chat, email anytime from anywhere. Or you can reach them at 502-587-9012. They have a diverse line of products. Their chefs have access to thousands of items across many different categories that allow them to receive fresh product daily. 
What Chefs Want is the perfect addition to any broadline company as they've got all of your fresh produce delivered daily, plus custom meats, anything that you need that your broadliner can't get. Give them a call, 800-600-8510, or visit them at whatchefswant.com. Did you know the number one cause of methane or greenhouse gases in landfills is your food waste? Restaurants waste so much food. All the food people don't eat, all of the scraps that come from all of your prep, it all gets put in a dumpster and then gets buried in a landfill and as it decomposes, creates methane gas. Well, thank God Jeffrey Ezel and his brother Clay have come up with the compost company. You can now compost your food waste. They take it to their farm. They create organic soil out of it. They then sell that to Whole Foods as well as local farmers and landscapers. So it's literally coming full circle in your community. If you're a restaurant owner or manager, you need to be calling Jeffrey Ezel at 615-866-8152 and they will set you up with the green bags and the green trash cans that they will come empty twice a week. If you work in a restaurant and you would love to have this option instead of putting food into a trash can, you can start composting. Tell your manager to call Jeffrey Ezel. That's 615-866-8152 or follow him at The Compost Company on Instagram. Layer cake? Yeah, I wanna, that's that's the next thing we're going to talk about. Yep, and but we have a pretty strong and aggressive growth trajectory. I, I lose track myself sometimes, but I'm going to go ahead and say by the end of 2023, we would have opened another 12. Wow. Some people call that a death wish. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just, you know, it scares the shit out of me because if I think about it, we're looking into a couple potential spots here. Yeah. And I'm more focused on how do I continue to keep our culture opening at yeah. that fast rate. I mean, you yeah. you can have core values and you can have this is who we are, but like when you're bringing in leadership teams that have never worked for you, in my last place, we did this. Like, how do you indoctrinate everybody? And I use that word lightly, but like, how do you get everybody rowing in the same direction so quickly? And is it something, do you guys have like a, a list of core values in your company? Like, how does that work? So one of the things we have found to be the most successful for us is training and development and promotions within because it's real, you've just hit, you've made a very valid point. Some people with exceptional resumes come to us and they struggle, truthfully, um, because of the pace at which we move, the expectations we have. And again, not saying we're the best. We just operate at a certain level of, and pace. And, you know, you take Vidora, for example, you know, someone could have come from a great Mexican restaurant and by 11 o'clock they're doing all the tip outs. No, no, no. We're just getting ready for the fifth portion of the day. And now you're going to be here till 3 a.m. Yeah. Right. And so uh, it's different. And so we do a lot of that coaching development within. We're constantly using the word bench strength and looking at who within our teams can take the next step up. Because now they understand at core level what milkshake is, who we are, how we operate. And then we want them to work towards and strive towards that growth internally. And so that's not to say we don't hire from out. We do. Um, but you have a, a farm team essentially that you're constantly developing of we're constantly, hourly employees yeah, constantly developing. I mean, it's so, it's so amazing to see today. Some of the hourlies where I remember, you know, early days, Vidora now is a bar manager at Vidora Addison. And, you know, one of the servers at stir is our construction manager. Um, you know, it's just, we've got so many people who have really found their path within the company and I love it. And we keep, we keep really 
wanting to develop that because yes hiring expertise from out is going to be important but if we can pepper that with this internal growth mechanism i think that's the perfect balance for us well i think when you look at a company like you and your size most professionals in this there's look there's people that are in the restaurant industry because sure. they, they need to make the side hustle and they have their sure. their real job which yep. always pisses me off but they have their other job that they do. Then there's the professionals, and those people always are looking towards promotion and yep. what's in it for me. I mean, yep. if I was looking for a job out there and I thought Lair Cake downtown, sure. wow, and they're going to open four more concepts here in town. Hey, if I get in there and hustle and I show them what, what I can do, exactly, I'm not that far away from raising my hand saying, hey, look, I'd like to get into leadership, and where, where can that take me? I mean, that'd be a pretty attractive place for me to want to go work. Exactly right. Yep. And that's the goal. We want people to feel like they're not just, look, I respect it hugely when people have a second job because they're in school or they're studying of or course. Yeah, they're, they need supplementary income, respect it. But for those who genuinely love the business and want to create a future for themselves in the business, then we want to continually be opening up roadways and pathways for them to be able to do that. And I think we've seen you know, we've seen a lot of success with it. I think we've also probably early on promoted people a bit too soon because we were too excited for them. <laughs> I want to see you win there. But it was a bit too soon for them. And then it, it's actually not fair because you've put them in a bad spot. True. Right? And so we learned that too. Like, ugh, should have just left them where they were for another six months. And then they would have probably been ready. And now we've put them there. They're not ready. And then that really, from that point, it's very hard to retract. Right? Right. And so we learned that too. Uh, and again, th these are all the many lessons we continue to learn as we go you know go down this path but this is this is a you can answer this or not answer this and it's it's going down a rabbit hole of pettiness and, and, sure. and speaking in a small operational way but if i was coming on board as a manager what are the expectations what are the expect you said there's a lot of expectations we have operationally we're sure. up here and i i'm here for that if i'm coming on board what are some of the things you would tell me what are some of the expectations well i think just curiously i, I think you know at, from a 30,000 foot level, ultimately, one, we, we want to make sure we are setting up for success, right? So we want to be giving as many of the answers to the test that we can give. But I think what you can't give people is a passion to be great, a passion to deliver experience, a passion to not only want to grow themselves, but to coach and develop those beneath them. Um, those are the things that we expect of our leaders because we are inherently of course, a people business. We rely upon an army of people to operate in order to hopefully serve droves, of, droves and droves of other people who are spending their well-hard-earned dollars with us. And we should never take that for granted, right? It doesn't matter whether it's $5 or $500. That's money that's been earned that they've chosen to spend with you and we have got to deliver an experience to them. Do you really care about that, you know? Yeah. And again, it goes back to sort of, again, what I said earlier, are you truly here because you care or are you just a paycheck player? And I, I'll go back and say, I don't hate. What I hate is when people say this isn't my real job. And I go, well, this is a real job. I get paid very real money that pays for very real children and a very real home. So when you're here, I need you to act like it is. 1,000%. Like, I don't need this to be your side gig when you're here. I hate that mentality of, well, this isn't my real job. Well, then if you're going to do a fake job, <laughs> exactly. do it in a different place. So. No, I, I ask you these questions because I think we've got a lot of restaurateurs in the city and there, there's just a, how do I grow? How do I go to sure. the next level? And I want for you being new to Nashville, 
I mean, you come from Dallas, you're here in Nashville, we're opening up all these restaurants. I really wanted today to encapsulate kind of your story, the milkshake story and what brought you to Nashville. But some of these things that when you get to that 11 to 24, 23, 24 restaurants, I don't, I, I, I just want to share kind of some of your insight because I think it's really interesting. I think it's, I think people can hear this and they can go, okay, well, wow, that's really good stuff. Here's somebody who's doing it. Who's in, and I also like to represent, there's, there's this whole thing, people coming to Nashville and taking advantage of our, our position of tourism and so, hey, I'm just, I'm a carpet bagger. I'm going to come in, I'm going to make my money and then you're never going to see me again. Yep. You're only in Dallas and you're only in Nashville. Yes. So you're not across the, you're not just somebody no. who's just, I mean, you're only in Dallas. You're very strategically in Nashville, yep. but it was an interesting story as to how you got here. Yes. So let's, let's dive in there. So, you know, obviously now we kind of get to 2018, the door is open. We're looking at what growth looks like, obviously looking within our own markets, our backyard, it's what we know best. Uh, but as we contemplate growth, you know, you're looking and thinking about cities um, that, you know, you feel you can be successful in. And naturally you look close to home, you know, within Texas, Houston, Austin, etc. cetera. Um, again, uh, I just, as well as being in the position I am, I still consider myself a student of um, our industry. And that means that I'm constantly reading and learning and digging and who, who opened where and who sold what and who failed and who succeeded and why. And, and in, in that reading, I, I, I stumbled sort of quite a lot across Nashville and not just the tourism that was occurring here, but the, um, the amount of people that were living here. People that, were, people that were moving here. Moving here, living here, the, the, the growth in population. Sure. The development. Sports teams. Sports I mean, teams. We got, we got, music. All of a sudden, it's not just this little town. Right. Medical industry, you know, lots of medical companies hubbed here. Huge. All the above. HCA, yeah. And so <clears throat> it was just an aligning of stars because Nashville was, you know, on this list of cities I was kind of starting to dig into. And... Uh, I got a call from a broker here in town and he said that his owner, William Hastings, who is a very well-known architect in town, mm -hmm. uh, that his former office building, he has, had since purchased and renovated the old public library, which is where they're based now. Okay. He had this really unique building on just off Broadway on one, two, seven, uh, third South. And, uh, he, they were very impressed by what we do. Have they been to your locations in Dallas? He, he had stumbled across one of our locations in Dallas. Okay. And so that was really what set this whole thing apart. And I think what, what transpired in our conversations was he didn't just want to turn the building into another generic type of venue. I'll find a country star to turn it into a place that plays right, wagon wheel over and over again. Which, listen... People come for it. They love it. So many of those venues are fantastic. I've been to every single one of them. He just wanted something different. And he said, I want somewhere that, yes, tourists can enjoy, but I want to be able to enjoy. I want to be able to come. I live here. Yeah. And that's really how that conversation. James and I came. Uh, we were invited to come and meet him. We came and we were blown away just by, we were like, you know, you start by doing some crane spotting, right? Cranes everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> and so, and this was like 2019 or you know, 2018, maybe 2019, somewhere years ago. And uh, it went really well, you know, got 
you know, met William, spent lots of time together, talked very much like we're talking now. Life, stories, yeah. how we are, where we are, what we're trying to accomplish. And that was really the first, uh, that was the first step of our romance with Nashville. And it is a romance because we've, to your point, we are not, we're not, we didn't, we're, we're not just throwing a stone and hoping it works here. Equally, we're not here. We, we truly care and we want to be a big part. And so we've been very strategic and very intentional about not looking anywhere else and saying, okay, we'll grow within our own market. And now let's choose another city and then let's really invest in it, not just dollars, obviously, but ourselves, our teams. Our, and so that's what we've done. Um, you know, we come here very regularly. We have an apartment here at Fifth and Broadway. And uh, nice. we we haven't just thrown a stone. So one Is of our- like a shared apartment that you guys can- Either all three of you can just stay in when you're in town. Exactly right. And j once we got to a certain point, James basically was spending at least half the week here to oversee it, yeah. everything. It just made sense. So, uh, you know, we had a four, again, as we talk about growth within, we had a former AGM who went on to become the GM at Vidora Addison. She was the AGM at Vidora Dallas and she excelled. And when she heard about Nashville, she was like, you know, I don't have obligations, not married, don't have kids. Um, Let's go. Send me. I want to go. So she's been here. We opened Layer Cake in June. She's been here since October. So there is a lot that goes into that, right? Like, so you, you, you know, you're investing a lot of time and money way ahead of any potential opening to really make sure that boots are on the ground. You're understanding the market. And we're still understanding it, right? We're still learning it. We're still trying to make sure that we... Uh, and Layer Cake, which we can talk about now, is probably the hardest one for us to have started with because it's such a hybrid venue. It's so multiple it's venues in four one. Four stories, right? It's four stories. You have the Cherry Blossom... So, yeah. Cherry so, Blossom Lounge? So, so we have Cherry Lounge. Cherry Lounge. Cherry Lounge. Cherry Lounge is just like a cool speakeasy bar, low ceiling. It's in the basement, stroke event space. And... You know, we wanted to do something down there because we were like, I don't want this to just become a, a dumpster site of storage and, and rubbish. And so we thought, let's put something fun down there and we can throw some fun parties down there and people can book it. And, uh, you know, but the back half we were going to use anyway for some kitchen prep and, you know, our office is down there. But it's just a cool, fun little space in the basement. Um, and so we've got Cherry Lounge there. Then on the ground floor, we've, what, we've got what's called the Wonder Room. And it's just a, it's really hard to explain if you haven't been, but our logo is color blocked. And so the room itself is color blocked. It's really three zones, like a pink zone, a blue zone, and a yellow zone in one room. So it's like three venues in one, but it's just the most outlandish, crazy stuff happening everywhere. Fun room you can think of. Whose idea was that? It was, so as we, th that was the room that we were, it was evolving as we were going. We were, couldn't quite, we knew that because we weren't music uh, artist driven, to me, what was the USP of that room, right? There's plenty of places to go sit, have a drink, but a lot of people come here because they love country music. They want to sit in a bar, hear the music. We weren't going to be country music driven. So what was the USP? And the USP had to be a really fun room. Right? Unique, something unique, purpose. Unique, unique. It, the USP, the acronym USP. Yeah, it, it, it had to have a unique selling point. Unique selling point. I was thinking yes. unique yeah, something yeah. purpose. It, it had to have a unique selling point, but it couldn't just serve a beer, right? Like, yeah. And so that room, we just, 
we worked with the, uh, the designer and said, go nuts. Like, just go nuts. Just make it <laughs> so fun, right? Who was the designer? Uh, so we worked uh, with just a company. shout people out. <laughs> we worked with the architectural firm Powell, who also built it. Um, probably won't say too much more on that because it wasn't the best experience. Oh. So I'll leave that there. Okay, so we were, we're not giving a shout out to Powell, but we are saying that, that they were the people that did it. They were. The, let's just say they're the people that. Right, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. We'll, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it for the next time. We'll leave. We'll leave that there. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll keep it PG today. Um, All right. And so we actually brought in another uh, another uh, someone else we had been working with. He's a local guy. And he, he wasn't the designer of the whole project. We just brought him in to design that room. And so, but we worked very much uh, collaboratively and it was just this. So it, it happened. You have the Wonder Room. We have the Wonder Room. Colors. It's really cool. It's fun. It's go there room. for brunch. Go there to drink. Go yeah. there to have a great time. Great place to celebrate your birthday. Um, it's just, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. It does not and take you know what we season. need? Yeah. We need fun. It's fun. It's we just need fun. fun in life. In it, life, it, yes. Got, if you if you haven't been having fun, yep. get your ass up and go to the Wonder Room. Exactly right. And have some fun. It's damn fun. It. Like, just go do it. Yeah. So the Wonder Room's fun. Okay. Above the Wonder Room is the dining room. And that's really where you go for a dining experience. You go for dinner. We're open for lunch. We're open for brunch. Uh, and we're open for dinner. So we're open seven days a week. And we believe that it's a fantastic place to come and have a meal, whether you are planning to hit Broadway afterwards, whether you're a local and you don't want to touch Broadway, but you just want to kind of come up third and then get back out. Are you like across the street from FGL? Ex directly. Okay. Directly across the street from FGL. Got it. So above that is the dining room again, open every day for lunch, uh, dinner. And then on the weekends we serve brunch. Um, and, you know, we think it's a really broad, fun, modern American menu. Who's your chef? Uh, we are not chef driven. Okay. So we have a corporate chef. Okay. Who's our culinary director, who then works with a whole array of people within our organization. And everything is done sort of corporately. We don't, we're not sort of chef driven. Gotcha. So we, all tastings, all menu creation is done at corporate. And it's, then, it's done in Dallas. It's done in Dallas and then implemented. Do you guys, do you guys have, so you don't, like a, as a broadline vendor, you have to purchase all of your stuff from, I assume you have a deal that you've signed with somebody. We, uh, how do you do that? So the team, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert here, but I will tell you that I know that we work with dozens and dozens of vendors. Really? For your, like, for, like for Cisco, like is like your so, so Gordon we, food service, one of those type people. So in Dallas, we use Benny Keith. Okay. And. But Benny Keith aren't quite ready to be able to get us the volume of uh, deliveries that we need. Here, here in town? Here in town. I think they're coming out of like Arkansas or something. I th something like that. And it's like they're only in town certain days. And it's like. I think they want to get here, but they're not quite here. Yeah. I, I want to say here in Dallas, we're using PFG. Okay. So, yeah. Obviously, a lot comes through them. And then, you know, our team sets up relationships across the board, basically. Okay. And then, so yeah, great menu. Please, you know, if you haven't been, come and check it out. And, I'm definitely uh, going to. I just. Yep. And then above that is our rooftop. And our rooftop does what a good rooftop should do. And that's just, again, lots of fun. Um, you know, we, we're, we're excited because we believe when, you know, sort of sports season kicks in, it'll be a great place to come and watch sports. We've got screens obviously up um, all around the bar area. Um, and then the weekends, it's just been um, a party. 
It's a party. Up it's there. a party. It's a party. Well, that's what that's what downtown is. You get right, Third right, Avenue right. down there. Right. Do you ever just walk down Broadway like on a Friday or Saturday night and just go like, what the hell so, is going on so, here? Is it just shocking to you too? So we, uh, the apartment I reference, obviously Fifth and Broadway is on the twenty seventh floor, facing downtown, facing Broadway. <laughs> you can see a lot from there. And you just like look out, and every time I do, I did it last night again before I stepped out for the evening, and I'm like. This is unbelievable. I had a cousin in town last week. I wasn't able to make it. He came with Arsene, my business partner, because Logan Paul was here for the WrestleMania stuff. And he was coming to Layer Cake. And um, Logan Paul was coming to Layer Cake? Yeah, he was coming to Layer Cake. He came for dinner on Friday, and then he came to party on Saturday. Nice. And uh, Now, is that something you set up in advance where you say, hey, you come here and you pay him to come there? Uh, it, so like it, an influencer type thing? It, yes. And so it varies. In this case, Logan Paul's manager reached out to us and said, when we are in Dallas, we had so much fun. They just organically had dinner at Harper's. Then we did a little deal for them to come to Citizen. And he said, we've heard Layer Cake's the spot right now. We already love working with you guys. We don't want to talk to anyone else. We just want to come there. Oh, wow. And it was, it was a very easy mutual type deal. Um, and so, but my cousin was with Arsene, my business partner, because he he's traveling on business from London. And he just texted me. He was like, oh, my God. Like, I, uh, what is going on here? <laughs> like, <laughs> he was walking down Broadway, just shell shocked at the sheer volume of people. The stuff that's going. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to people watch, yeah, walking down Broadway. So, do you indulge any of that stuff? I mean, are you? Yeah, you so, have kids. Are you? Are you married? Do you have? Yep. So, yep, married with kids. Um, but I am very out there. I, you know, to be in this business, to me, I can't be sitting in a room. Yes, I've referenced the internet a lot. But that's just the first step of research. I mean, I've probably eaten dinner at nearly every restaurant in town here now. So what's your so favorite? So far. Do you have a favorite part of town that you like to go? Because it's not Broadway to eat. No, I've, I've really enjoyed. So I've gone to Sunda and Gulch for Asian food, which okay. I really enjoyed. One of the first places I was told about was Chohan's. Yeah, um, on 12th? Yep. And so just been making my way through, really. I'm sure I've got lots more to eat. I went to church in Union yesterday. Uh, and listen, I'm one of those people, I not only want to go and experience it, I like supporting other businesses. Yeah, I'm a big, uh, you know, w w with success, we can all rise with the tide, right? Like I don't, I don't see any, I, I never look at peers as competitors. I look at them more as peers. And uh, there's, there's always going to be room for all of us to succeed and lots of us to succeed. Uh, and it's sad to me when one doesn't, to be honest with you. I never take any joy in seeing a restaurant close down. I promise you that. No, I don't take joy in really seeing anybody. No. Not never, do well. Never. I mean, it's just not something. There's a word for that. Schadenfreude. Yeah. Did you know that? No. I just read this book and yeah. I, I learned. I learned this. I'll, I'll share this with you. There's two words. There's it's an old German term, Schadenfreude. Yes. Where you wish harm on people who are doing well, like you yes. hear about somebody, something bad no. happened to them, and you're like, oh, good, they deserve it. It's no, like it's horrible. No, like don't do that. But then Freud and Freud is the other side where you're just genuinely happy for other people absolutely and you're like right. man that's awesome absolutely right. we need to practice more freud absolutely. and freud absolutely versus schadenfreud absolutely right so no listen i think i think the culinary scene is great i think it's it's growing evolving and um but we're excited to obviously now bring our other concepts to town so um if i'll, I'll go through them now but we've started construction at peabody plaza which is directly across the new building that went up directly across from where Pinewood Social is. Okay, yeah. Um, and so there's one anchor, beautiful eight and a half thousand square foot space. Um, wow. At the base of the building. And uh, the 
owners of the building, uh, the Aitkins, great people. We met them and they were very keen to put a very well executed dining establishment in that space. It was built specifically for a restaurant. And so we decided that that would be an ideal location for Harper's, which is our globally inspired steakhouse. I say globally inspired. We have a fantastic steak program uh, that we believe stands up tall and strong against most. Uh, but we've had some fun with it. You'll find a Szechuan chili chicken on the menu and uh, we, you'll find a t Burmese tea leaf salad on the menu. And so, you know, I'm, I love to travel. I've always traveled a lot since, it, since a young age. And I feel like, you know, so much of what we eat now is just becoming more and more this melting pot of different flavors and foods. And so, yes, let's be, let's be, let's be a steakhouse, but let's be a steakhouse with a little bit of a difference. Sure. And, but, you know, but let's again still have all the staples, but then have some fun around that. And so Har this will be the second location of Harper's. The, um, the, the first location opened actually just, just a year ago on uh, Friday. It was it's in Dallas. In Dallas. All right. So you're bringing Harper's here. It's going to go across the street from Pinewood Social. Yep. And then? And then you will get the Finch. The Finch. So the Finch, so we have two stirs. We'll go back. Remember I had the first stir? Mm -hmm. And we went on to open a second stir. Yes. But we also then felt like there is a stir with one R in Chattanooga here. Okay. And inherently, we just felt like we love stir, and stir will always be so near and dear to our heart. But we've grown. We've grown up. Yeah. And the Finch is our, what we believe to be a reflection of who Milkshake is today versus what Milkshake was in 2015 when we were still figuring everything out. Now, let me temper that. Stir is, both stirs are open, alive, well, and doing fantastic sales. And have evolved to the new version of Milkshake? So To a degree? Yeah, we're always trying to improve things, right? Yeah. But we just, we felt like with the Finch, there was an opportunity to do Take it in a slightly different direction. Good. So it's a grill and raw bar. So you'll be able to sit and eat fresh oysters there. Will this be chef driven? I I want to say that every restaurant we open should feel, from a culinary perspective, chef driven. Okay. Our corporate chef is a fantastic chef. Yeah, he actually worked at the number one steakhouse in Dallas for over ten years as their executive chef. Oh wow! So fully capable of creating. Fully capable, but. It's amazing because when we do tastings and we're, I'm involved, me, James, we're involved in every tasting still. I love it because when uh, Rodman Shields, who's our culinary director, is there, he's never there alone. He's with my VP of operations who's also worked in kitchens in his past. And he's with the, the, head, the kitchen manager, stroke head chef of Harper's. And they're all like throwing ideas around. And it's this really collaborative you know, thing. And then, so the way we come at it is, okay, this is what we want the menu to kind of look like. This is the shape of the menu. This is kind of what we want it to look like. Now you guys go have some fun, right? So if we want a chicken type dish on the menu, we'll give you some direction. Go and have fun with it. Put three or four out. We'll play with them and we'll go from there. So you're in the scene. You're here. Yep. You're absorbing the culture, yep. everything about it. You're eating at all the restaurants. You're yep. seeing all this stuff. And then as you conceptualize the Finch, you're thinking about the neighborhood because I've gone in that neighborhood and I've looked around at what else is being done there. Then you can kind of give it, hey, look, this is a broad, this is what I'm looking for. And this is what I think that that neighborhood would, is missing or what they really need. And then they create the dish, you all taste it. And then right. that's how you are making the menus. So, and, and Finch is really interesting because we are in construction on two finches simultaneously right now in the Dallas market. So sitting here today, it's what, August? By August 2023, 
we'll have three finches. There's none open today. Wow. And there'll be three open a year from now. And there's me one here. One here in the former flying saucer space. Oh, so you're taking over the flying saucer I, space I have, in the carriage house. I have taken the old flying saucer space. Wow. And so we're excited about it. You know, love that building, love the character of it, love the position of it. Um, love, you know, just really like its placement. I really do like its placement. Sure. Again, proximity to Broadway, but not in Broadway. So, you know, people that are want a good meal in the area can come there. But again, if you don't want to get involved in the congestion of Broadway on a busy day, you don't have to. Are you guys looking at coming station at all? No, so the after the Finch, the only other deal that we have signed, so that will that will now bring us full circle to our fourth and final current lineup of restaurants is Vidora. So you're bringing a Vidora to Nashville. You're going to get Vidora. You're going to get the, the you're going to get the 400 degree queso. Yes. Yeah. So that that will be the final one. That is going at Eighth and Broadway. Okay. So Eighth Eighth and Broadway. That's isn't that where the Manuel that's, space was? And you know, I'm I'm being told about that, and I didn't really know a lot about it. So it's in now, that location. It's exactly. It's right on the corner. You can't miss it. Oh wow! Yeah, and it's so, right there on the corner. Right there on the corner, and you know, you've got all the development happening just behind us with, I think, the Amazon Towers and the Nashville Yards. and it was a monster location. And so, and then you've got Broadway this way and then you've kind of got the Gulch that way. And, and so just right smack bang in the middle. So you're, you're, this is, I know what you're saying now. Now it's kind of like that picture in the mall you look at and all of a sudden like, oh, it's a sailboat. Investing in Nashville is, is you're not just here to do the one thing. I mean, these are no. these are major, major, major investments that you're putting into Nashville. Time, money, resource, energy, all the above. So wow. we care. We yeah. really do. We care and we plan to be here for hopefully a very long time. So it matters to us that we do the right things the right way, that we are seen as a great addition, not only to the culinary scene, but the community as a whole. Um, and so we are, we're thrilled. We're thrilled to be here. But I think more than anything, I'm thrilled because I think Nashville will go from strength to strength. A lot of people ask me, how is it that you would sign four venues in a location without opening one? And I said, because I've signed the first knowing, feeling so good about the market that it was, would I sign four or would I sign none? But you signed that first one before COVID. Yes, that's that first I mean, one. What was that like? That first one has pushed and tested me <laughs> and us and James probably. I think if there was ever a time I was going to fall out of love with this business, that project would have been it. Just because it was so brutally unlucky. We started yeah. the process. We. COVID happened. We had to, you know, I think we had to put these micro piles into the basement in order to support the structure of it, the addition of the rooftop and they were hoping that you know they would hit bedrock at like five feet they had to go to like 30 something feet and that by the way changes budgets to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars wow so you've got covid you've got what do you think in that moment what do you think like, i mean you have the whole thing planned out you're a business guy you sit down is it a, is it a I guess that's the cost of doing business. Or like, do you just go like, fuck? Like, what, what, is your, what happens in your brain when you get that phone call that you got to go 30 feet instead of seven feet and it's going to cost an extra quarter million dollars? Fuck. 
<laughs> okay, so that's, that's it. They don't get you out of the zone point there. Because that's, that's a house. It, I mean, that, that's no, a lot of... Yeah, look, I will tell you that that project, again, just between, and I'll put it delicately, issues with the general contractor, issues beyond anyone's control, COVID, and there was a collapse caused by apparently a car driving into the building. I don't know. I wasn't here. haven't seen the car, but apparently there was a collapse of the structure. This is in addition to everything else. Long time ago? Recently? During construction. Okay, during construction. I'm like... So, yeah, I mean, as we talk about projects that can and or are fraught with challenges, that one endured most of them. But it's open. And it's... it's it's doing well. It's doing well. It's downtown. But you know, I, I, I think that one of the most important things you said today, and you said it kind of flippantly, you were like, but with my attitude of every yeah. day, you, you were kind of like, you were kind of saying that as a, like a joke, so, so, but that's probably the most important thing that right, you have, right? Right. I think, you know, people often ask me like, you know, what do you think is the most important thing about being a CEO or, you know, as a leader? And, and my thing is, is to lead with confidence and that was, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And I've always got a we'll figure it out mentality in life because you have to figure it out. What are you going to do? You can't figure it out. Right. I'm going to sit and cry. What's that going to do for, for me, for my team, for my morale, for their morale? You've got to figure it out. And so thank God um, we figured it out. Look, it was painful. And, but it's, it's open. And like I said, it's doing well. I think that there's still so much bandwidth there, which is exciting because I think we're in a very good place. But, you know, I still meet people now who oh, yeah, I've heard of that. I haven't been there yet. Or what is it? Well, I'm one of them. Right. I mean, I'm one of them. I live here and I'm, I'm in happens, restaurants. Happens to the best of us, right? And so, you know, I still think really, really happy and excited with how it started. But I think the bandwidth that exists within it to still do so much more. Um, I think, you know, the weekends are fantastic, busy. I think the weekdays, we want to build up some of that. You sure. know, we want to make sure people know, you know, yeah, you might see a crazy party happening on the weekend on the roof, but actually, if four of you just want to come for a nice lunch on Tuesday, great. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, lots of bandwidth, but excited. I think we're all heading in the right direction. And it's just, you know, again, it's a hybrid venue, so people have to understand there's different things on every floor. And, you you know, you choose to use as you might want. Like, for example, yesterday, uh, I knew someone from out of town, and he called me and he said, oh, I want to go to Layer Cake. And he, the group went to the Wonder Room for drinks, then they made their way up to the dining room for a proper dinner, and then they made their way up to tables for table service on the rooftop. Nice. Yeah, and then some people will come and just go straight. The to whole the experience. And then some people came just for dinner and left, and probably had to go somewhere else, or were going to hit all the honky tonks. And I know you got to go. This is I don't know what what kind of time you look like. You got to go. Uh, we got five minutes. Yeah. What, what do we got? Five minutes is good. <laughs> okay, it's it's this will come out on Friday of this coming week and today is the day of the big grand prix are you going down there yeah so i'm actually going to peabody plaza which is where harper's is okay and alliance bernstein who uh, have a huge global office here um, have very generously invited me because they have an observation deck on top of the oh, building wow. which will see all the cars coming off the bridge oh that's so cool well so yeah well let's get you out of here two things one is uh one is a question I'm going to have though, on just a quick conversation around QR codes. And then the last question I'm going to, you can start thinking about it sure. is 
uh, we have you take out the Gordon Food Service final thought where you get to just say whatever you want to the people listening. I open yep. the floor. You get to take us out. Number one, downtown, COVID, hiring, all of this stuff. I love your perspective as somebody who has multiple locations. I think sometimes restaurant owners get too busy working in the business instead of working on the business. Sure. And you're keenly like you work on the business and yep. there's, there's in the business, but you are constantly working on the business. Where do you see the future with that? Cause GoTab was one of my sponsors, but I'm, I had a friend in town and he was yep. like, now we went downstairs and I waited for like 20 minutes to get a drink. It'd be great. If there was a QR code, I could have just scanned, ordered the drinks and picked them up at a separate bar, but no, I'm standing there forever. He meets five girls while he's in line and he goes, I need five gin and tonics and two of these. And he start ordering all these drinks for these people. The woman goes, all right, so she makes the drinks. I just get a water. I don't, I don't drink. But then there's a, um, it's $72. He hands her a $100 bill. She turns around, puts it in the tip jar. <laughs> right? I mean, like, that's got to, I imagine that happens all over the place. Right. If it's cash transactions. And I just kind of think, like, people are so afraid of the QR code. But I really feel like people... You can do so much more with it. I think it's a tool, and people see it as, well, you're losing hospitality. It's like, no, you've got to have a hybrid of that. You've got to have like this. If I'm a brewery and I have a QR code, anybody can walk up the table. I can have a Cicerone walk up and say, let me tell you about our beers. And then when you feel like you've decided, just sure. scan this code and, and send it. Go straight to the bar and bring it out to you. Let me see your IDs. Everybody's good. And just do that. Like You can do better things with service yep. versus... Oh, here, just order on the QR code and we'll bring it out. Like, you can do that. Where do you see the future of the industry? And do, are you planning on incorporating any level of that at any of your locations? We're always looking at, we're, we're always looking to be innovative, right? And we're always looking to technology to help make things more efficient. Um, it's not easy. It's not easy because there are habits and there are op operational challenges and sometimes people are reluctant to change their ways, right? And, but I think that you, you know, you don't need to shove people, but I think you can, you can edge them along, right? And, and I, th I, think you're, I think you've hit the nail on the head actually when you just said that. And I think the point is this, I think that we are going to see a hybrid occurring of things where, you know, things evolve in a positive way. Look, we're not, no one's trying to make anyone's experience worse. No one's trying to make it slower. No one's trying to make it less personal. We're just trying to make it a bit more efficient. And uh, we, we are constantly doing the same. We're looking at ways to do that. Um, but equally, it's, it's hard because, you know, when we came here and we're getting a lot of feedback, well, that's what everyone else does. And you're like, okay, well, that's just what they, that's what, that's what they do here. Uh, okay. But, but, we don't do that. But is that the best way? No, but that's just what everyone does, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, but I don't want to do that. But the, so somebody's got to be the first. Right, right, right. You know, it, it's things like, you know, there's systems now where, you know, people can get their tip outs directly deposited to their debit card through their debit cards every day. Yeah. You know, but you still get pushback. And I want to, I want to walk out of here with my cash, right? And so it's like, yeah, but we're kind of, you can see a lot of people are moving to some, this sort of cashless. System. I don't know who still pays cash. I don't. <laughs> I mean, no, we, we, we do a tip pool and it right, all right, goes right. onto a check every right. two weeks, but it right. works out great. And we have yeah. systems that do that for us. I think in summary that we are constantly pushing the envelope to ensure we stay relevant, current, innovative, um, 
but you know at the same time that we do it at the right time so as not to push both operationally for staff and service teams and operational teams we certainly don't want to cause them additional headaches um, and then for the customers, we want to make sure it's still seamless and they feel like it was all, it flowed very well. But I do think we'll see absolutely more and more technology and innovation uh, impact um, our business. And it has to, and it should. I think it should too. I mean, I look at just basic adoptions of cell phones and sure, just different sure, things. Sure. I, mean, I had so many friends that were like, dude, I don't, I'm yeah. never getting one of those things. I'm never yeah. doing. And those are the people who are on them the most. Sure. I mean, it, eventually, I think that everything will move. Generation Z is more the cell phone in their hand. Sure. The boomers and Generation Xers who don't, who like the people, we're going to get out of that. And everybody's walking and go, where's the QR code? They're going to walk in and go, where's the QR code? Sure. And they're going to scan it. And they're going to all know how to find the thing they want. And if they have questions, someone will come and go, yeah, hey, how's the whatever dish? I'm looking at it here. And they can see pictures. They just have to touch it and they'll order it. And then there's an aggregator that once it's, they can all send their order at the same time. Absolutely. They can all be combined into one check and one guy pays or they can, and then when it goes to the kitchen, it'll all put them on the same table and, and they'll course it and send it out at the right time. Yep. It's like, there's no more, there's no server error in that. No, absolutely. And now I can have servers, I can have sommeliers, I can have people who are really understand my brand come to the table and go, let me answer any questions you have without having to then go do all of the coursing everything and remembering sure, to put it sure, on. Sure. Like, Absolutely. Let's, uh, let's make it easier for everybody. I don't know. I just see service going that way. And I think a lot of fast casual, I don't necessarily know if that's good for maybe a Harper's. Yeah. But it, I mean, I think sometimes, you know, it's, look, it's a, a, a good friend of mine in Dallas. He has, he runs some burger joints and uh, he's a big, he's a big proponent of technology. Right. And so, after doing the first location, having issues with some staffing, he was like, I'm going to streamline the second location, right? Got these great kiosks. They look brilliant, awesome, super efficient. You come in, it's got a nice video. You can see the food. You can see your toppings. I mean, I went and used it. I was like, this is brilliant. Do, 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 do. Sat down, food came out, right? Like seamless. Just mass, mass, lots of pushback. I mean, he, he said, my, all my reviews, like very impersonal. Uh, didn't know how to, you know, I don't want to talk to a robot. And he's just like, uh, <laughs> it, it's so easy to use. And I keep people floaters if they need help. And they come out and say, hi, how can I help you do this? And right. people still don't like it. He just, it's, it's you know, he said, Imran, you come, you use it, you're great. But then I get, you know, people who just give me this pushback. And then they'll give me it. They'll, they'll even say to my face, like, the food was excellent. And they'll give me a one-star review because of the kiosk. And you're like, Ugh. it's like that. It's I'll, I'll always go back. I'll always go back to this review I read when I was traveling somewhere. I think it was to um, Cuba and I was going to um, Havana and Varadero and I was looking at hotels. I'll never forget this. I thought this was brilliant. It kind of resonates with me sometimes as it pertains to restaurant reviews. And I saw a one star on this hotel. And I was like, oh, wow. I just read so many five stars. Per said, it rained all week. <laughs> Yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, that's it. That's it. That's it right there. Uh, so, um, you know, I think it's just a case of, you know, and I told him, don't lose heart, but maybe you have a hybrid situation for now. Yeah. But, but yeah, anyway. Well, Imran, thank you so much for being here. I did, Thank you. Could t I feel like I, I yeah. could talk to you for hours on end. Thanks <laughs> for spending a little extra time today. No, no, I, I know appreciate you got to get going. Final thing, Gordon Food Service, final thought. Whatever you want to say, whatever uh, you could say, Thank you, and that's it, or whatever you want to do. Uh, the the mic is yours. Take us out. 
I mean, honestly, thank you, first and foremost. Uh, such a pleasure to be here and talk all things life, business and restaurants. Um, you know, beyond that, just super excited. Super excited for where Nashville, where the Nashville food scene is today. But I think, you know, I know of other brands coming here that, you know, started in London, went to Miami. Nashville's their second stop after Miami. So that that says a lot, right? Like, not not LA, not New York. They're doing. They did came from Nashville. London to yeah. They came to Nashville, so they are coming to Nashville. Um, and so uh, you know, as challenging as our business can be, I'll always maintain the I'm too blessed to be stressed attitude and just keep going at it and seeing where we end up. Too, always fun. We'll find our way. Too blessed to be stressed. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, again, thank you for thank you so much coming in and spending time. I wish I you nothing it. but the best of luck. Thank you so much. All right. Well, that was fun. Uh, I'd like to say thank you so much to Imran Sheikh for coming in to studio and talking to me and spending an hour and a half. This is not the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. This is the tastiest hour and a half of talk. Hour and 41 minutes. Man. Thank you guys. If you've made it this long, I'm super impressed. Uh, we talk about the comfort crisis. I'd love for you to read this book with us. Go to Brandon's Book Club on Facebook. Buy the book and then DM me and I'll pay for it. I'll send you a Venmo. I'll pay for the book. So get it. The Comfort Crisis by Michael Easter. And let's read it. And you can be on this podcast talking about it with me. I would love to do that with you. So please do me a favor. Go to NashRestaurantRadio.com. Go vote for your favorite Mexican restaurant. Thank you, NetChecks. Please go support our sponsors because they're amazing people and you need them. Telling you, you need them. And then stay tuned because Friday uh, or this this coming Monday, we're going to be talking with Chef Agnello Turco. And he is the new executive chef at the Four Seasons Mimo. And uh, this guy earned a Michelin star at the Four Seasons in Beijing and he tells the story of how he did it. He's worked at Nomo. He's worked in uh, a bunch of places under some amazing chefs. And we're honored to have him here in Nashville. This is his first interview in Nashville. So we are introducing you to Chef Nello uh, from Mimo. That's going to be out Monday. I cannot wait to share this interview with you. And then coming up next Friday, we're going to have Kate Madry. And Kate Madry is an actress, a comedian, and another fellow sober person. And we talk about our journeys uh, on sobriety. That's going to be out next Friday. So enjoy this episode with Imran Sheikh. Thank you for listening to it. Uh, I enjoyed making it. And I hope that you guys are being safe. Love you guys. Bye.